Happy New Year! <laughs> Happy New Year, Sarah. <laughs> it's our New Year's Eve episode. I know. It's like a, a tradition that started without us really realizing it was tradition, but here we are. I know. The first year, it was our pegging episode, and we just thought it was just funny. Too, yeah. It could not be contained. Right. And then our next second New Year's was Jessica uh, Kane with many, many of our friends. And now it's just the two of us. Well, it's a simpler time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're socially distancing even in podca- podcast land. Oh, God. And we're doing Roy Kent Redux. Well, I guess we should say welcome to Faded Mates, everybody. I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader, Roy Kent lover, editor, whatever. That's what I am. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels. I write romance novels, and I really like Roy Kent. (laughs) I really do. I mean, this season, season two, there was a lot more to think about with Roy. Yes. I also decided this season that I really like Isaac. Oh, I listen. Yes. Also, like, fully would leave my husband for Rebecca. So here we are. <laughs> it was a big year for me. I was like, oh, I feel feelings for Hannah yeah. Waddingham. Who doesn't, <laughs> though? It's true. I was thinking about this. You and I and Sophia Benoit talked about Roy Kent and Ted Lasso. Kind of before Ted Lasso was Ted Lasso. Because before Ted thing, Lasso was cool. Yeah. I mean, I hate to be that way, but you guys, we were we were riding the Ted Lasso train. Really, we were. We were. We were ahead of the curve. We were forerunners. <laughs> we were wearing our Doc Martens and our flannel and listening. <laughs> Doc Martens are back. It's so weird. I mean, maybe they, they were never gone, back. but they are big. My back. daughter, my eight-year-old, got a pair of silver Docs with hearts on them for... Christmas from her aunt, and I am very jealous. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. This uh, little little romance has some, and then Mr. Reed's romance bought some. He wears them to work, but I was like, look at you wearing Doc Martens. Oh, Martin, that's suit. pretty badass. So cute. Look at that. So, anyway, um, we, we love Ted Lasso before others did. And that's, it doesn't matter. I mean, we're not, look, we're not tracking it or anything. I mean, it's not in our (laughs) calendar or anything. (laughs) You know what, though? Here's the other thing that was really interesting for me just generally this time around is, okay, season one, I watched with Mr. Reed's Romance, um, and we watched it, like, in a day or two, right? Like, we just binged it. But season two, they released episode by episode. So that's right, because you didn't watch it. We watched it episode by episode, and then I was like, Jen, you got to read this. Wasn't season one all at once, though? No. Oh, okay. So I watched it. I binge-watched season one. Season two, I watched episode by episode. But I found it to be a very different and enjoyable experience to watch it this time around. Pretty much straight through. Again. Listen, I felt the exact same way. That's so interesting that you say that. I much preferred it as a binge. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, like, is that because TV is just teaching us that now, to binge? I don't know. I think in this case, when you're tracking character development, it really is more rewarding to get all of the text at once. Yeah. Right? Whereas it was so easy to forget, like, those little pieces over eight or ten weeks. So I just think it's a different experience, too, when you're... Well, and also... 
there is when you watch it on the binge, especially after having watching having watched it week by week on the yes. second watch, you can sort of appreciate some of the like more nuanced characterization stuff that was going on. Yes. Um over the course of the season with everyone like I'm thinking about Nate and Sam and suddenly you have these moments where you're like, "Oh, I see what's happening." Like there is this has nothing to do with Roy Kemp, but there is a very clear thread of the television show Cheers through yeah. the entire season. Right. That, like, involves all sorts of little nods to Cheers, including, like, at Ted walks into a room. The first time Ted walks into a room during the whole season, everyone goes, Ted, the way they go yeah. warm. And then Sam and Rebecca are, of course, yeah. this. And then there is a m- sort of moment where Ted says, oh, you're, that's, you're my first favorite Sam and Rebecca, you know. Right. And then there's, like, a moment where uh, the guy who plays Norm – whose name usually George I know, Lent. thank you, is so, there's a signed picture of him on the wall of the halal shop. Uh-huh. Cheers plays a very important part in a personal pop culture reference that I share with my brother Eric, who was on the podcast last Eric, time. Eric, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, Eric, who was on last time we talked about Ted Lasso. And here's and so it's like we, we are big Cheers watchers in my family, and Eric in particular. Listen, Cheers is great and holds up. Oh, yeah, it does. Holds up. Yes, absolutely. So there is this one – there's this one scene where it's with Norm and Cliff, right? And Cliff is talking about some new girlfriend he has or whatever. And everyone is like, what's your mom think about this? And he's like, I don't know. What are you supposed to do when the woman you love most in the world meets the love of your life? <laughs> and, and Norm's like, which one's which? <laughs> you know, because nobody knows, right? Like he's such a mama's boy. So at that exact moment, Clifford's mother, like, comes into the bar and says to him, says to him, you know, Clifford, you left your uh, shower cap on the floor, and so you're going to have to wear it all day. And she sticks a shower cap on on his head and storms out of the bar, right? And across the bar, Frazier says to Lilith, he says, I'm starting to understand that Cliff is heroically (laughs) well-adjusted. And that's a great line. Listen, I have this like as a video clip. I will put a link to it. It's illegal, of course. But every time something goes like sideways in the family, Eric and I (laughs) will say, you're heroically well adjusted. (laughs) (laughs) It's like this inner mantra, right? Like, and after the holidays, it's like Colin from. From uh, Ted Lasso, I'm yes. a strong and capable man. Yes, Aww. exactly. It's like you have to have your mantra. And I think that – so that Cheers reference, whew, I we feel We didn't it. check in about the holidays, but how was well, it? Tell everybody what Mr. Romance gave you. You guys, it's in it's, it's happening right now. So I had to change my office around. I was in Little Romance's room, but now he's back from college. It's not going to work. Feels very, you know – homesteadery (laughs) right so i have a new like office space downstairs it's great but it's really like open it's not in a closed room and so i was telling mr reed's romance i was like well the only problem with that is when i'm recording it needs to be quiet like you can't come in and out there can't be people in the kitchen so he got me this thing called a busy box and it's like a light 
and you can change the sign. So I put in the one that says recording and it's upstairs. And then when I'm recording, I can turn it on so no one will come downstairs and bother me. Listen, this is true love. I know. This is the nicest present I've ever ever heard of from a husband to a wife. I know. A person who just understands what's important to you and wants you to live your best life. It's so sweet. You want to hang out with your weird friend and talk about your little books? I support you. Yes. Just (laughs) tell me so I can avoid it. Exactly. (laughs) It's really cute. So right now the busy box is on. It says recording. Adorbs. I A plus on this as a gift. I'll put From a link in show a notes, partner everybody. to a partner who maybe you want one for your kids. They love. <laughs> it's like I know. busy. Yeah, leave me shush. alone. <laughs> Shut up. Um, well, can I tell you what yes. my in-laws bought me? Yes. This is really sweet. So my in-laws live in a place called Paso Robles, California. I know and where it that is. is. On the Central Coast, it's like wine, Central Coast wine country. It's right near, every time I go there, I make them take me to Hearst Castle. And I will say, my in-laws are extremely long-suffering and like always (laughs) take me to Hearst Castle. Even though I think they're very tired of like sitting by the pool and like staring at the Roman baths. Anyway, um, Hearst Castle is super cool. You should totally go there. Anyway, but in Paso, there is a used bookstore called Spare Time Books. And it is like a romance novel reader's dream because it is just floor-to-ceiling used paperbacks of all different genres, but like many, 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 many romance novels and old and awesome. And Eric suggested that they were like, what do we get, Sarah? You know, like they are always they want to get you a nice gift, a gift that like, you know, right, sure. you'll love. And Eric was like, OK, you guys are going to think this is weird, but you should really go in there and you should see if you can find yourself find any like first edition romance novels from the 80s. Yes. And he gave them a list of our trailblazers. And he was like, especially these people. And so they came back. So they sent me a box of individually wrapped paperback used books from Spare Time Used Books in Paso Robles, California. And let me tell you something cool. And we will put this. Maybe we can put this like in show notes or something. Or maybe it's the image right now for banter. I guess we're, we're yes, bantering now. We're bantering. Spare Time Used Bookstore has a punch card. Which is what I've always thought bookstores should have. Have a punch card. Every $10 you spend at this used bookstore, you punch, you get a punch. And then when you get 10, you get an extra $10. Nice. I know. So anyway, thanks to used bookstores around the country. Thanks especially to Spare Time for my collection of redacted title, redacted author name used books. Because the main person um, is a trailblazer who we have not run yet. Mm. Okay. Well, it's okay. pretty great. I'm, oh, also, yeah. I have a request, and maybe you'll know this. Okay. My sister, who was here for Christmas, um, we were talking about um, – I put an Iris Johansson, an old original mm. first edition Iris Johansson into her stocking because she was a very, very big Iris Johansson fan um, when we were growing up. And she has a question for you, Jennifer, and for our many yes. listeners, which is, back in the day, writing as Stephanie James, Jane and Krentz wrote a category 
which my sister remembers vaguely as this. The heroine is driving like a cherry red convertible down a highway. The hero, and it breaks down. And the hero, who is a long-haul trucker, pulls over to help her. And she is like kind of disdainful of the profession of long-haul truckering. But he, like, gets her car working, and, like, they basically have, like, Krentz-style banter, Stephanie James-style yes, banter. Right, 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 right. She, of course, is headed to her new job as the executive assistant to the head of a long-haul trucking company. Of course. Who happened to have to r- drive the big rig for a little while down the road. So, this is how my sister remembers this book. Uh, she... Fully believes it was a Stephanie James novel. That is your task. So try and find it. Okay. Faded Faded Magnificent Firebirds unite. Assembled. (laughs) Can I shout out one more amazing thing that happened? I was, a listener of ours reached out to me. Her name's Alice. She lives in in Canada. And she was like, Canada. (laughs) I found. Essentially, like these Tupperware containers, these big, I packed up full of old romance novels in the 90s. Do you want them? <gasps> Alice, why did you reach out to Jen and not me? Because you're moving, Sarah. Oh. Anyway, right? I don't know, because sometimes people, you're like, people like Sarah you more than me. No, you're just more intimidating. They feel like <laughs> they can't be like, much nicer to Jen than me. You can, <laughs> listen, if you're like, this is kind of really for Sarah, but I'm too intimidated, also let me know. So the first pass is she sent me these photos, and <gasps> I. I was like, okay, first pass, send me, because I think it's going to have to happen in stages, send me the historicals. So it's a bunch of like Alice old. out there going through all of these, taking pictures I was for like, you. I know. I'm so excited. Alice, what can then, we do? Can we send you a Fade of Mates thing? Reach yeah, out to Jen. Right. Tell us what Reach we can send you. Here's the part that's really cool. So she was like, all I want is for someone to pay for the shipping. And I was like, of course. And so she told me what it would be. And I was like, well, what's your PayPal? And she was like, just donate it to Flatbush Cats in Brooklyn or to another place in L.A. And I chose Flatbush Cats. So it was pretty awesome. So I was like, Alice, Alice the cat's too good for this the world. Cats Brooklyn, thank you. I know. You're so, great. We love you. Wait, so what's in the box, Jen? What's in the box? Okay, listen. Bearing <laughs> the lead here. Virginia Henley's, <gasps> Amanda Quick's, what? Joanna Lindsay's, Julie Garwood's. Listen, I'm it's, excited. Can't I wait. know. Me too. So I mean, once, obviously, Alice, you may have sent them yeah. to Jen, but they're being shared. Oh, of course. <laughs> obviously. And then some that just look like those real old school ones with like the, you know, like the glittery covers and yeah, stuff. Yeah, for it. Those Catherine Coulters. Yes. Big gold gilded Connie, Catherine Coulter. Connie Mason. Oh, yeah. Constance O'Banion. Yes. I mean, these are names I have not heard in a long time. So I'm I love super it. excited about it. So I love it. I will let everybody know when they arrive. All okay. right. We That's ready? enough banter. We've done it I know. now. We've like, talked we through banter. the window. It's going to take hours for us to talk through season two of Roy Kent because Roy and Keeley have like a, a nuanced <sighs> like – a relationship now. A beautiful arc, I know. It's great. And Roy, I think Roy also has, oh, God, the show's so good. I know. Okay, I know. Can, I t- 
Can I tell you something I did not like on the second watch? And I don't care if this makes me. I just don't want to talk about Rebecca and Sam. He's too young. There, I said it. Listen, I'm with you. Look, empirically, I understand that these are two very attractive people who, like, (laughs) should definitely bang it out. But the moment they said 21, my yes. brain just went McCreeve, full McCreeve yep. brain. I was like, I really no more. thought he was like 26, 27. Me too. And, and I was going to be like, get it, girl. And then, right. oh, no. Yeah. No, thank so, you. I would just like us to pass over that. We'll, we'll pass right over it. I actually have a whole theory, which I know that you don't care for, but we'll get to it at the end. And it is not about Sam. It is about Ted. Fair. Okay. Um. So... <laughs> All right. Where do you want to begin? I have a – it hurt my feeling. <laughs> Sorry. That's episode 10. Oh, that's very late. It hurt it my feeling. It hurt my you – know I wrote, what? I marked that too. So when it, so last time we did it episode by episode, which I think is the best way to do it. Okay. Fair. Okay. So because I think it's important. We start – okay. So this series – this um, arc, this season of – or series I think is what it's called of – of Ted Lasso, the second season for those of us who are in America, <laughs> follows. So Ted Lasso is announced as a three are a three episode show, a three three season show. So at the end of last season, we had like the great disappointment. Right, right. they were relegated. They were relegated, which actually seems extremely cool. And I, I mean, like it does feel it feels a lot like if American sports were like this, I would care more. Sure. To be honest. Which I think somebody says in Ted Lasso. Like, it's very cool. So, um, so anyway, they were relegated. It was very sad. We lost Jamie to Manchester City. Um, and Ted and Rebecca kind of finally understand, like, Rebecca comes clean and everybody's disappointed. And then Rebecca's like, I'm not firing you. You're staying. We're going to start over fresh next year so we begin the season and they're like in this endless string String of ties ties. yes (laughs) and then as eric likes my eric likes to point out um this show that it was all about like kindness and the best in the world begins season two with the most baller move of all baller moves i mean by having one rule right yeah well and also, like it's the it's the best show. It's a show full of joy. Yes. And then they take the most joyful character, and they have him kill a dog right off the start with the power of his hucker kick. Listen, football is death. <laughs> <laughs> the part where he like wakes up in Danny bed with two women Rojas. and he's like, "Football is death." <laughs> Danny Rojas, I love you. You are the best. I mean, I love every. I love so much about this season. Oh, wait, can I have a small little aside? I know you're not a big Marvel person, but you know Venom because of Tom Hardy. I do. At the end of the Spider-Man movie, there's like a little preview of the next Venom movie. Ooh. Like a little, and you know who the bartender is who clearly is going to be involved? The actor who plays Danny Rojas. It's Danny Rojas. And I was like. Football is life. I said said to my husband, I was like, it was it was Danny. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, you know from Ted Lasso? And he was like, oh, that's who that was. So oh, I was like, 
Wait, so is the preview, pause, is the preview yeah. in the Spider-Man movie for it's Venom 3? They have these little, like, yeah, clips I know, at the, the end, thingies. these teasers I, yeah, or whatever. I, I'm, who knows? I've watched Marvel movies before. Yeah, okay. Who knows? I don't the know the end what it's credit be. scene, but it, like, it's separate from Venom 2. It's, like, the next yes. one. Yes, it's, like, cool. teasing some future Venom. Is Tom Hardy in it? Yeah, so it's Tom <gasps> Hardy sitting at a bar and Danny... I mean, bartender. Listen, it's not like Spider Man needed any more ticket sales on its opening weekend, (laughs) but like, had I known that, it might have gotten another one. I'd be like, just like sneak in to watch the last five minutes. Tom Hardy's and things. Here's what I want to know: Why does it say Episode One Roy Kent hair clips on my notebook? Oh, well, because Danny's hair and Jamie's hair, all of their little headbands, their slicked back. <laughs> yeah, but that's I, not why it says that. I don't know. I don't know. For some, you guys, I don't know. I watched this literally right before the holiday, and then everything went out of my head. But it says quite clearly, the very first note I have is Roy Kent hair clips. I noticed a lot of interesting hairdos in this yeah, season, including I love it. when Isaac gives his haircut. <gasps> We no, we gotta say okay, we got That's like a whole. There is it is magnificent. This episode. Listen, I hope you started it at seven p.m. because it's not going to be over till the stroke of midnight. Eric's like, oh my god, you guys. Okay, so here's where we are. Just to recap, so that's the sort of broad thing. Yeah. We're in a series of ties. They the goal of the season is to get them back into the Premier League. Promoted. That's what it's promoted called. to the Premier League. So that's the sort of overarching like big picture arc of the series is are they is richmond going to get back into the premier league on top of it we have roy who has left soccer because his knee is a bum knee and so um he's trying to figure out what he's doing and so right now he's coaching (laughs) episode one he's a coach of Eight-year-old soccer of an eight-year-old girls soccer team. And let me tell you, I mean, like, if that isn't the most, again, if you needed any evidence, that's it. Exhibit A through Z, Roy Kent coaches girls soccer. He's obviously a romance hero. (laughs) Should we say that this is a, if you are new to Fated Mates, you should probably go back and listen to Roy Kent. Is Roy Kent a romance hero, which we did last season? I mean, the answer is so obviously yes. Now it's just like, let us... Let us clarify and name the ways. Okay. He's the best. He's the best. He's like standing (laughs) on the field screaming at these little girls who are just delighted by him. Oh, yeah. Completely. Like, completely. Now, I think the other thing that's sort of amazing about that whole arc, though, too, is that he will have nothing to do with Richmond anymore, right? Like, he won't go to the bar and hang out with them. And Keeley, of course, works for Richmond because she is, like, the director of PR marketing. But he will not, you know, have anything to do with it. So Ted is doing – Ted is leaving (laughs) – listen, part of what I love about this show – and, I mean, I know you don't want to talk about Rebecca and Sam, but one of the things I really don't want to talk about is the beard episode because it enraged – Oh, I didn't even watch it. It enraged me. It doesn't exist. I didn't even watch it. Just pretend it doesn't exist. Both times. Oh. I can't. I can't. It, it well, enraged okay. me. Well, but the point, so that's all I'll say about that. But what I will say choices, is there is a reason, for those of you out there who are like, I love the beard episode, like my husband, um, <laughs> who love the beard episode, I, the beard episode, I don't understand, Sarah, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Every, like, the writing on this show is so tight and yeah. so anti-patriarchy right like so much every time they have a chance to take down toxic masculinity they do do. and 
the beard episode can't exist because of that. I, I will do a TED talk later on that sometime. <laughs> but the so, but the point is, is that so at the beginning of this, so Roy is teaching girls soccer. And then there is this real sense in this first episode of like Roy is at sea. Yeah. And he is, and Keely can see it, but she doesn't know how to To fix it. To fix it and to tackle it. And so she keeps kind of like coming at him with like, you should do this, you should do that. Ted wants him to come to a Richmond game because, as we know, in the long game, Ted's long game is, like, he knows exactly what Roy needs. Right. In that way that, like, Ted often does know what people need. He's a good coach. Um, You know, but there's – so one of the things that Ted is doing is every time, every game, he leaves Roy a ticket at Will Call, and it's always <laughs> under the name of, like, a female – like a a woman singer, right? <laughs> and it's great. So, so it's funny. like Dolly Parton and yes, Reba McIntyre, right. and <laughs> you know the other thing though that I thought was really interesting is one of the only. So obviously Roy and Keely are very happy, but the other place it shows us that he finds solace is with the yoga moms. What I call right. This is the episode one, right? He's right. avoiding Keely, and he's like, "No, I have things. I have stuff to to do." Right, right. So he's gonna go be with these yoga moms, and and so you know they like watch reality TV show together. But the other big thing that happens in this episode is the double date, right? I mean, I mean, this- which. On the rewatch, I was like, I'm so surprised this is the first episode. I thought it was Me deeper too. in. Absolutely felt the same way because it really sets up so much of what is important about the way Roy is relating to himself and to Keely and to other people. Yes. Right? So Rebecca is dating some handsome but, like, dumb kind of blowhard guy. Millionaire. And they – and she's – you know, and she and Keely are always together, like, sort of like, do you They're, like him? You know, right? It's Keely and Rebecca are in love. They're like, they are the love story of the season. If Just you worked with your best friend, this is how it would feel. It's like, right? We've all seen it. And so she's sort of like, well, will you guys come on a double date with us just to see what it's like? And Roy just like drinks his way and through And he's the a huge, her thing. boyfriend Roy is like a, is a huge Roy Kent fan. Right. So it's kind of awkward and uncomfortable, but Roy is just like going to do this good guy thing and he just keeps drinking. But then on the way out afterwards, right, like they're kind of like, you know, you know, it's like, Keely, what did you think? And, you know, and she's like, oh, I loved him. He was so nice. And then, you know, Roy was like, fucking hell. Is there a problem? Tell the truth. He's fine. That's it. Nothing wrong with that. Most people are fine. It's not about him, it's about why the fuck you think he deserves you. You deserve someone that makes you feel like you've been struck by fucking lightning. Right? Like, what are you talking about? He was, you're not, you're better than him, right? And this is then the famous or infamous line, right? Don't you dare settle for five. (sighs) And let's so say we all. Everybody, every, like, this is what you deserve. And this is like the moment I wrote down, like, High expectations. Like, Roy Kent is a romance novel telling you, you deserve better. You deserve the best you can get. Yeah. Like, and I think this whole episode is a struggle to, like, then feel like you deserve it for so many characters, right? Well, the whole season, yeah, is about that. The whole season. Don't settle. Don't settle. 
And don't don't fuck it up either when you do have it. Yes. So it really does set the stage, that first episode. But yeah, like you, I was like, wait, that was episode one? I don't know why it surprised me as well. I thought it was so much further in, but they really come out of the gate strong with, you know, setting the whole theme for like essentially, like I said, the whole series. Yes. So you ready to talk about <laughs> episode two? Episode <laughs> two oh, is God. the best. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So uh, this is what we'll call the masturbation episode. I mean, what else could we call it, really? Right. I mean, okay, but I, oh, my God. It's so hot. It's so hot. It's so hot. So we find out that Roy had a bit of an embarrassing time when he um, officially resigned from soccer, when he retired from soccer. And he um, <laughs> cried when he was giving at his at his press conference, which is like, again, right? Like, take this super the like most masculine character and give him nuance. Like, give yes. him like tell everybody that it's totally not only is it fine for him to have cried at his resignation, his uh, press conference. It's really hot. <laughs> Oh, so he gets so he and Keely are living together now. It seems. Well, it's interesting because it's not ever clear. Well, he, in the Christmas episode, he says we're going to go to my posh neighborhood. So he still has his house somewhere, but like they're more or less living at her place. Yeah, and so um, he gets home and he is looking for her, <laughs> and she is nowhere to be found. So he seeks her out. Yeah, sure. And she's in bed having some private time. <laughs> he surprises her with, Were you having a wank? <laughs> and oh she God. throws the phone. She's so embarrassed. <laughs> and the best part about this is he's like so like, well, I'm like, I want to know what gets you excited. Like, okay, I can, you know, tell me about what and it is you're looking no, at. And she's like, no, no, like, no deer in the headlights. <laughs> and it turns out it's his him crying at a press conference. Oh, <laughs> and what she God. says is, right, like, basically, you're being passionate and vulnerable. And that is what turns her crank. And it is. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's great. And what's so cool about the writing here is this is also this is the same episode. So then she, like, convinces him. He's, like, being convinced. This is the episode where she convinces him to try color commentary. Like, so go work for, you know, whatever, the sports network, which is a real sports network. All these people are real. Um, and, like, do the color commentary on soccer every, on, you know, football every um you know, whatever day. I didn't know they were all real people until my friend Ernesto was a big soccer fan. He was like, I can't believe they got all those people. And I was like, oh, <laughs> me neither. Listen, but I bet that if there was an American sure. football show, they get all of those course. people too. Like, of course. What a cool thing. And also, it's a total delight. I mean. It is. Right. Liz, listen, if Ted Lasso asks you to do anything, you do it. You do it. Right? Sure. And so there's this moment where so he's – He's getting his makeup, like he's getting like touch ups. Yes. And she says, What do you usually do with your lashes? And he says, I leave them the fuck alone. 
the real the moment there is there's this like push pull of like you have this like super sensitive character who like can feel his feeling and understands like patriarchy and toxicity and like like, you know, why nuance is important in all of these conversations and, like, is so into, like, having all of these different sides of himself and then also still is like, fuck you, I leave my lashes alone. <laughs> what do I do with my eyelashes? <laughs> I know. It seems to me, at least here in America, like, it's such an acceptable, like, kind of thing to do after you retire from the sport. And so to see Roy reject it, you're kind of like, well, why? Why is that? And and then at some point you get that it's just like so painful. He just misses playing so much mm-hmm. that this – it's not that he doesn't want to have this like arc of being a commentator. It's that he just misses it too much. And this – It hurts. Is, he's, it hurts. It's broken. He's he's – it's yes. grief. Like he's yes. He's grieving. And what's interesting is this whole series, this whole season is a lot about grief. It's about yes. grief yeah. in many, 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 many different ways. Like how, what loss looks like and what yeah. like the way that we put ourselves back to back together after losing somebody, after being disappointed in somebody, after being disappointed in ourselves, after like not yeah. being able to live up to expectations. Like there's so much grief happening. And I think I kept thinking at this moment, too, about when we had my brother Eric on for season one. He said that one of the things he thought about a lot with Ted Lasso is that it's like a workplace comedy, Mm -hmm. right? And I think one of the things that's, like, really interesting in our modern world is even though I, like, hate capitalism, I like my work. And so it's, like, this really interesting push-pull to see Roy, like, essentially – grieving for like I'm still in the workplace but not in the way I want to be right I'm not in the role I was anymore I'm too far removed and how little room there is in our society for that like I I am defined a lot by the work I do and it's complicated because I shouldn't be but here I am and I thought that that captured that so well well because in the first episode Um, In episode one, there's this moment of, like, with the boyfriend, with Rebecca's boyfriend, where he's like, oh, it must be so hard for you. Like, he really hits that hard. And there is Mm -hmm. that moment, like, and for anybody who's ever, you know, left a career or, you know, lost a person or left a relationship, right? Like, I think Roy's relationship with his, with soccer is a lot like most people's relationships with, like, you know, right. people. And I think whenever that happens, you know, when you make that sort of big life choice, when people kind of hammer it home for you, it often yeah. feels like, oh, well, should it feel worse? Like, does it? Right. There's so much complexity in the way Roy is dealing with yes. this. Yeah. And the irony is, of course, the whole time Ted is in the background saying to Keely, hey, is Roy coming to the game? Is Roy coming? Yeah. Like, Ted knows what Roy needs. And what's interesting is that – and this episode is not – this Fate of Mates episode is not about Ted and Dr. Sharon and, like, all of that that's going on. But Ted is so – so too finely tuned and, like, hyper aware of what everyone else needs mm-hmm. mostly that, like, he can't – see it and he can't figure out what he he needs himself yes so i mean i think that there's like a real furthering of that who are we when we're at work when 
especially if we're at the top of our game at our workplace versus how can you be so competent at work and such a wreck personally, right? I mean, there's like, there's a lot of ways in which that played out in really interesting ways. But, you know, at the end of that episode, one of the things he says to Keely is, what if they think I'm shit? And so it's like, you know, to be at the, you know, the top of the game, literally, and then have to like go back to being like, what's my place in this world? What if Mm -hmm. I'm not good at it? But of course he's not shit. He's great, even though he has a massive potty mouth, which of course he does because he's Roy Ken. He's amazing. Um, He just crushes it because of course he does because he's – listen, if you want people to – if you want somebody to talk about football, you you hire Roy Kent because he knows more than everyone else. Absolutely. He's a superstar. Um, And he – and I think he loves it. Yeah. In the moment. Like he's he like gets high from it. I think so. I and absolutely he comes do. home. <laughs> and of course Keely knows exactly how it went, that he crushed it. But he walks in and she doesn't wanna she doesn't want to wreck it by like she wants to pushing play cool, him. right? Exactly. <laughs> and what does he do, Jennifer? Oh, it's super hot. He puts in her earbuds <laughs> and he turns on the press conference and gives it to her <laughs> and then he goes down on her it's magnificent what a service it's a <sighs> may we all have a Roy Kent in our life it was unreal it was it's so good terrific I don't have any notes for episode three there's one really only one really interesting thing about three when it's with Phoebe Sassy's daughter is with Rebecca And Rebecca's trying to do all this little girl stuff with her. And they run in, you know, she runs into Roy, right? And they're walking out. And he gives her this, like, you know, this piece of golden advice falls from his mouth, right? And he says, you know, they just want to feel like they're a part of our lives. And it's this really, like, interesting insight into, like, his the way he is with Phoebe, you know, and and there's a little more information about why he's with Phoebe so much. Basically, like, you know, his sister is a doctor. Her The dad is out of the picture. She just works a lot and Roy can take care of Phoebe and he loves to do it. So it's just like, like a really, I was also thinking, you know, it's so common in pop culture to have like aunts and uncles be terrible. Mm-hmm. And I also really like this idea that like instead, like he's great at it. It's just a cool uncle. Yeah. I mean, I think the Roy-Phoebe relationship is really interesting across the board because throughout the whole season, you're sort of like, where's Phoebe's mom? Yeah. Like, what's happening with this kid? So, and I, you know what's funny? I, yeah, I feel weird about it in a lot of ways. Like, where's what's happening? So, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go back to your Cheers observation because one of the things that was really interesting about Cheers is how like Norm's we never saw like Norm's wife. And we and we very rarely, if ever, saw is it Carla? Her like they only exist in the bar. I think that there's a way in which you and like it it's 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 like at some point that it becomes almost like a joke. Wait, you're never gonna meet Norm's wife? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? And so I think that in some ways it's like classic sitcom. Like they only exist in the workplace. And then Yeah, but I mean, right? I guess that's true, but, like, Roy does exist in Phoebe's world. Yes. And every time you see him, he's doing some kind of serious parenting over in that world. Right. I mean, that's because—so, episode four is the Christmas episode. 
Yes. And I'm going to give you an option. We can either do the Christmas episode now or we can do it later because it's out of time for it this. It is out of for time. The, the series. You know what? I, I think we should just talk about it now and then yeah. move on. First of all, sexy Christmas. Great. But let me bring – let me just yeah. put a pin in this – let me like put a yeah. capper on the Phoebe thing, which is – so the, the Roy and – so, okay, the Christmas episode is in fact out of time. They wrote right. – 10, ten episodes. The the season was intended to be a 10 episode arc. There are two extra episodes that were ordered by Apple and written after the fact. One mm-hmm. is the Christmas episode and I believe that the reason why the Christmas episode falls the way that it does or is written out the, the way that it does is that they could only get certain actors at certain times. Maybe. Yeah. So that, that I mean I'm making this up but like that's how it feels to me. And so they knew they had to do like they knew they couldn't do Roy and Keeley separate from each other for Christmas, so they had to, like, tighten it up and, you know, film right. it whenever they could. So the Christmas episode has, I think, the most beautiful arc of it is the Higgins with all of the players yes. arc. It's so yes. fun. And it just every time I've, – I've now watched the Christmas episode three times, and every time I watch it, I'm like, I just want Christmas with, like – 83 teenage like 20 year old boys like in my house (laughs) like it's seems really darling um and then there's rebecca and ted delivering like santa packages to kids who have written to santa Mm -hmm. throughout london and then there is roy and keely's sexy christmas um where they're supposed to have sexy christmas and it's like shh there's a great moment at seven minutes in where he turns up and she is wearing a like so hot, yes. absolutely like banging like lady L- Christmas lingerie. outfit, oh, yeah. and he says, "Holy fucking shit, you look incredible." There's just one problem, which is Phoebe's mom is an ER doctor and had to go to work, so Phoebe's with them. So no sexy Christmas. Instead, sexy December twenty seventh, which is today. There you go. Hey, I'm sorry I didn't dress for it. Um, <laughs> and then, but during this time, Phoebe um, has halitosis. She has like yeah. bad, really like as Keely describes it, medically bad. Yes, right. Breath. Wait, before we go back, can yeah. I just tell you? I don't often wish for like scenes that aren't on screen. I'm not like that. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. look at the story they're giving me. But I really did spend some time imagining. <laughs> How Keely would have convinced Roy to do something called Sexy Christmas anyway. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to imagine her ramp yeah. up to that. Yes. <laughs> um, agreed. I would like that too. Somebody fanfic that. So anyway, so Bernard, this jerk kid yes. in her class, has has given her a bottle of mouthwash as like a joke gift. And Ugh, so mean. Roy says, Right, where does Bernard live? <laughs> Keely's like you. You can't beat up an eight year old. I know. And he's like, why? <laughs> and then he decides that they are going to, in classic Roy Kemp fashion, he's like, "There is a problem. I'm going to solve it. We are going to go back to my posh neighborhood. Yes. Knock on ten doors and find a dentist. And if we get to the end of the ten doors, you both get a thousand pounds." One of my favorite little throwaway lines is at one point Phoebe looks at um. Keelian's like, a thousand pounds. That's a month worth of swear words because she's been charging him and it just shows you like how much money yes. this kid is clearing or like college bank account or whatever. 
Amazing. And it's also like it ends with like a little nod. This episode, the whole season nods at rom-coms. Yes. Yeah. It nods at the end to the love actually scene with Keira Knightley and the husband's best friend. With the um, card. With the cards. Um, But it's very darling. And it just shows like Roy Kent, if you are lucky enough to have Roy Kent love you, he is going to. I mean, he's a full-on romance hero. He will do whatever it takes. He will knock on 10 posh doors on Christmas Day to make you happy. And, like, I know. You know, I will also say I watched this episode, obviously, back in July when it was on. And then I watched it again. And it's a... I understand, like, it's smart of them to have a Christmas episode, right? Because every mm-hmm. Christmas I'll be like, I'm going to watch that episode. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it's and so it came out in July and me. it was weird in July. Yes. But then, like, at Christmas it was like, Delightful. this is the greatest. It's a, it's a gift. Super smart. Also, for those of you watching at home or tracking, keeping track at home about Sarah's theories of Rebecca and Ted, I'd like to just say about the Christmas episode <laughs> that it is one of the moments where I think, like, Rebecca is also like a little bit Roy Kenty. I think Rebecca and Roy yeah. are being played off of each other a little bit in this whole season. Rebecca is like the lady Roy because she talk about somebody who also like clearly cares deeply for Ted. Yeah. And like had this opportunity to go to Elton John's Christmas party, but also like maybe didn't have that opportunity and like just does this cool thing. You know, where yeah. she takes takes gifts to kids who who don't have don't have a ton of gifts on Christmas. And she goes to find Ted, you know, yeah. during the first Christmas after his divorce, which is a tough time. Again, grief, right? She understands where he's at. She's down in the hole with him. And um I really love the two of them. And I love that she says to him, like, I'm not going to tell you where we're going because she trusts yeah. that when they get there, he's going to just know what They'll to know say. what to do. Exactly. Okay. Before we leave the Christmas episode, can we talk about Isaac on the Christmas throne? Oh, my God. <laughs> what a gift. Oh, what I really a love gift. Isaac so much. But, yeah. And then they're having, like, great. a secret Santa. And they're all exchanging just bottles of liquor. Fabulous. And cash money for that sweet boy whose name I can't remember, but the new, the kit man. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I mean, what a little darling he is. But like Isaac on the Christmas throne. Amazing. Oh my God. No, Isaac is also, I mean, Isaac this whole season. I would, if there is a, a. Look, I love all the team. I want spinoffs of everybody. Yes. I love the team, but I really, Isaac's arc on this was so good, too. Did you notice, speaking of Isaac, did you notice that he's reading A Wrinkle in Time at one point? (gasps) No. Yeah. That's pretty great. It's like, did Roy give, did Roy give Isaac A Wrinkle in Time? Mm. Episode five, this is the rom-communism episode. Which is almost like. When I watched it, some of these episodes felt like I don't like. I was like, "Is this for real? Like it's being written right for us? I know. Right for it's romance like they know. readers. They know right? romance is out here, just like drinking it like mother's milk." <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, and I think that whole you know, 
everything's going to end up, right? Everything's going to end up okay. Yes. But all the shout outs to all the different rom-coms. I mean, Adorable. Oh. And this is also the scene where um, the one where Rebecca, like, makes herself big. Listen. <laughs> and, Keely, and when Keely's like, fuck you, let's invade France. It is when she did that. The first time she did that, I, like, spat out, like, Every, yes. I was, like, drinking and, like, spit-taked. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it was the moment where I was like, oh, I would leave Eric for this person. <laughs> she is ama- She is everything I've ever wanted in another human being. Like, I just want to be like her forever. Yeah. I make myself big. Oh, my gosh. And, like, the whole, this whole, this episode, I don't know, it might be my favorite episode of the season because... There are a couple things that happen. One, it is the episode that makes the promise. It makes a covenant promise to the to the viewer that I think is really interesting. At one point, Ted is in his office and he says, Now these next few months might be tricky, but that's just because we're going through our dark forest. Fairy tales do not start, nor do they end in the dark forest. That son of a gun always shows up smack dab in the middle of a story. But it will all work out. Now it may not work out how you think it will, or how you hope it does, but believe me, it will all work out exactly as it's supposed to. And like, I had this moment that was like, oh my God, it's romance, right? Like it's that they've made, that's it. Ted made us a promise in that moment. Yeah. Like it is all going to be okay. It will yeah. work out. I, that moment just like, oh, it's perfect. And then of course, there's so much rom-com stuff. Almost, like, too much to even, like, name. Because Roy and Roy is – it's Roy and football, again. Like, mm-hmm. it's – it's they are the romance. And so they have had their, yes. their dark moment. And now he's having his realization that what he really wants is to coach. And this is because this is the Isaac episode. Ted, the way that he finally gets, like, Roy on the hook is to be like, something is wrong with Isaac. And that is Roy's responsibility because Roy is the one who said, Isaac is your next, you know, your next, whatever it's called. Captain. Captain. And so this is... Well, he's also looking for a big dog, right? And this is where we we lose Nate. It's the moment Ted loses Nate. Yeah. But, you know, this is also, like, back to the whole, like, workplace thing. I found myself thinking about Nate a lot, which is, like, a lot of my identity is built into who I am at work. But I cannot expect the people I work with to be my family. And this, in Nate, like, right, like, we do start to see, like, especially on the rewatch, right? Like, this is where we really see that, like, by choosing Roy – he said goodbye to Nate. And it's really explicit when he chooses Jamie. He's worried he's going to re- lose the rest of the team. But this part, it's like the same exact thing. But like right a couple of episodes later. Like yeah. you chose one, you're going to lose the other. Because this, Nate cannot coexist peacefully with Roy as a coach. It's just never going to happen. I struggle. I mean, you and I have talked about this separately. And obviously, again, we're not talking about Nate. We're talking about Roy this episode. But whatever. But I really struggle with Nate's arc. Oh, yeah, me too. As a writer and as, like, a human. Because there's so much love for him. From the jump. We watched 
when we rewatched this second season, we rewatched from the start of season one. And like, there's just like, talk about a character who is constantly being lifted. Right. Right. And it just, it's so hurtful. The idea that like, and, and like, whatever, this is Nate's journey and Nate is upset and Nate is going through it. And like, I don't mean to diminish that in any way, but like it's that sense. I think the thing that hurts the most is that as a human who tries to lead with kindness, you sort of have this moment where you're like, oh, my God, like there are some moments where like you just you cannot do it right. Like you have done like it feels like Ted did it right, did it right, did it right. And then like he makes that one moment, that one thing where he laughs at Nate about you're not a big dog. You can't fix Isaac's. Right. Right. You don't have what it takes. But I think the thing that I found myself thinking about a lot as a corollary is, and I'm like skipping ahead to the end where um, Keely realizes that she's going to have to leave or like leave, stop working with Rebecca. And she goes to Higgins. And what Higgins says is, right, a good mentor wants you to move on. A Mm. great one knows you will. And so I was also thinking about like Nate, Nate reads quote-unquote, reads Ted's, like, behavior as disinterest, whereas I think Ted mostly means it to be trust. I think so, too. Right? Uh, Especially because there's this sense of, like, but also, like, I mean, I think that, look, you also can't deny the father thread through this entire season. I mean, culminating in that amazing, we're going to talk about it, culminating in, like, a yeah. great dad moment. Yes. Um, but this father piece, this like Ted as mentor, Ted as father figure, Ted as the supportive, like encouraging, like trusting leader mm-hmm. that Nate doesn't have from mm-hmm. his actual human father for lots of reasons. And so like when Ted says like we're going to go with Nate's plan because Nate's plan is a good plan – Nate thinks Ted is trying to sabotage him. Like, which is, I mean, when has Ted ever sabotaged anybody except for himself? And that's the part where you just really see, again, like my work confidence and my personal um, vulnerabilities on a collision course. Yeah, and and just, and also it feels, I mean, I think it's really interesting because there is a real sense of, and, you know, we've been talking about this, again, we're sort of on a Nate, a Nate, this is the Nate pause of the podcast. But, you know, Eric and I talked a lot about how Nate's hair is is gray yes. through the whole right. episode, the whole season, which I think is a little heavy-handed. Curious but- choice because it does feel a little heavy-handed. But Eric was like, I wonder if it started as like maybe Nate isn't as young as we thought he was. Mm. And I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. Like, I I don't know. But I do think, like, in season one, he feels very young. Oh, yeah. Right. And then, like, when the new kit man comes in, like, this new kit man feels like, oh, no, he's really young. Extremely young, like a child. Like, has acne is a child. (laughs) Right. And so, like, maybe Nate Mm. just isn't. Maybe. That's really interesting, yeah. I did have a moment with Nate where I was like, he just feels green too in a lot of ways. Like your instinct, like he doesn't he doesn't quite see the whole forest for the trees. Season three is gonna be a And is really bowled over by Rupert, which is gross. Well, but of course he would be, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Rupert knows how to manipulate people. 
Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so this episode, this rom-com episode, uh, <laughs> it's such a classic moment. Yeah. Like, Roy is mic'd up. Yes. <laughs> ready to go. And then he's like... I miss all of it. Excuse me. What are you doing? I'm sorry, fellas. This isn't what I'm meant to do. Roy! Jeff. I have to go. And it's like he runs to Nelson Road. It's like at the end of... um. Notting Hill, where they're like getting yeah. to the press conference on time, right? Yeah, All of and that. I can't get you any further. Right. You know what else I really noticed? There were two really interesting things in that cab ride. One is that he gives the cab driver, he like thrusts this cash. money at the cab driver, gives him cash, and says, You've got to date your wife, right? <laughs> but you yeah. have to, like, right? You have to yeah. like take care of her and date your wife. But the other thing is, which is a when Harry met Sally, nod. And I don't know if you re- if you re- if we remember this, but it, in season one, there was some throwaway line about how like one of Roy's girlfriend had like taken his watch. Yeah, what? Like I need a phone and a watch, <laughs> right? <laughs> but in this episode, he gives the watch away. He gives a watch away again, and it's like purposeful. For, yeah. Yes, like for That's love. Interesting for love. And I remember thinking like the first time around, it was like you're a chump. Almost like you're too dumb to even like, you know, like press charge against this woman who stole your watch. But this time around, he's like, I'm headed to Nelson Road. Take the fucking watch. I don't care. He knows what's important. Yes. And I really like that tiny little nod back to some of that stuff from season one. And then he he gets he's he's Reba. It's Reba McIntyre. The ticket is there for Reba McIntyre. And he's required. He's forced to say the words. (laughs) Which is a delight. And then he marches himself onto the field and changes everything. Also, for writers in the group, knowing that this was originally episode five, no, episode four, Mm. this is your act one pivot. Yeah. Because we lose this episode, we we lose Nate. Like mm-hmm. suddenly Nate's been criticized. Yep. And we see we see the down we start to see Nate turn a corner to go down. And we start to see Roy really like come on a rise. So good. So episode six. Oh no. And then there's of course Just shut up. You had me a coach. <laughs> and then Beard gasps. <laughs> and know. it's a it's laugh really out loud. It moment. really was great. very funny. Famous, famous Renee, Renee Zellweger line, right? Or no, yep. I guess it's Tom Cruise. You had me at hello. That's Renee. Yeah. No, Tom says it. Does he? Oh, no. Ask Mr. Oh, no, Romance. She, he went to prom with her. He'll know. He did go to prom with her. She, you're right. She says it. You had, he's talking, talking, and she's like, shut up. You had me at hello. Okay. Episode six. Episode six is the panic attack episode. So while Jen is getting her thoughts together, I'll just tell you once again, Rebecca comes out, saves Ted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. She understands. Rebecca knows where Ted is at every step of the way this season. Yeah. It's also really interesting because this is, um, we haven't talked about uh, 
the doc yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's been a team therapist that was brought on to help Jamie, but, like, we see her helping so many of the the characters as they're going through whatever it is that they're going through. And this is, like, one of the times where you really see, like, Ted needing help and not getting it. Right. But also it's really interesting that Roy is never involved in the therapy part at all. And I always get the sense that it's because, like, he's figuring this out for himself. Yeah. Like, right? It's really interesting. Roy also does not struggle to articulate his feelings. His feeling. It's his feeling. Singular, yes. (laughs) I mean, it's interesting because that's a good example of, like, where you might lose another sort of traditionally toxically masculine character is, like, an inability to acknowledge that he might have misread a situation or he might have, like, been hurt or, like, he might feel bad about something. Roy does not have trouble. He might have trouble, like, in the moment, like, articulating the exact feeling, but he doesn't have trouble with the actual act of articulation. Right, right, yeah. Like, he might not know what the words are, but he knows, like, that he's feeling a feeling. This is also the episode, though, where he won't coach Jamie. Like, we do see that, like, this is kind of the next crisis is going to build with Jamie. And so he will give advice or coaching to anybody else on the team, but he just won't have anything to do with Jamie. And so we know that this is something that, like, is going to have to be, like, worked out in order for Roy to really be, like, the coach. He has to stop ignoring this guy he just fucking hated. Yes. This is also, there is some stuff happening here And at 11 minutes, Ted says, it's time for you to woman up. You've been manning up for a while now. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, again, it's this moment where Ted, where there's an awareness of, like, in the writer's room, there's an awareness of, like, like, these kind of, like. Gender norms, right? Yeah. Like, there's a moment of uh, an awareness that in the writer's room, they're constantly playing with these gender norms. Yes, I think so. And I think there's a lot of ways in which they're able to, you know, and I I would say, who knows if these will age well, right? But, like, another one that struck me is, like, there's a part where um, it's in the last season where they're all, like, it's halfway through the game before if they don't make it, they don't get promoted. And he's like, it's a portrait of masculine melancholy or whatever. (laughs) I want that. Like, I want a giant – that should be a poster. Why is that not for sale, Apple? I have no idea. I have no idea. That should be for for sale in Apple stores. (laughs) Seriously, what are you doing? (laughs) So I do – I think that there's, like, a part where it's, like, you know, explicitly this is code for you're going to have to get over yourself. You're going to talk about your feelings. You're going to have to, like, do this. You you know, we're not paying you to coach – I don't know, whatever he says, the, whatever fraction of the team. When <laughs> Roy's yeah. like, fine, take it out of my check. You know, like, I'm yeah, yeah, not yeah. going to do it. But then simultaneously, Ted is struggling with, like, keeping this secret, right? Ted has a panic attack. He leaves the field. And, like, every no one can quite figure out what's going on except for Rebecca and ultimately Dr. Sharon. That episode to me was just like setting up, you know, like, right, it's setting up like future conflict. Um, But I think the other thing that's really interesting is we also haven't had a lot of Roy and Keeley for a while. And it's not until the next episode, if I'm ready to go on, Mm -hmm. that we get that like Keeley is super frustrated by essentially now like working with Roy, living with Roy, being 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 with Roy. (laughs) 
And it's there is a moment, right, where as a viewer, you're like, you have this quiet, you have this realization as a as like a viewer who, you know, likes Roy a lot. But like having a Roy Kent figure be obsessed with you would be, be a lot. And then I really did have a moment where I was like, oh my God, it's full romance hero back, right? Because oh, yeah. the truth is, and I've said this before on the podcast. We like these men in our books, but if we lived with them, we would it would be too much. Yes, right? <laughs> the part where he like comes out to like read a book with her and she's like, I just want to, and it's like a sex in the city yeah. scene where they're yeah. fighting, right? Yeah. And it's so but I think the other thing that was really funny about this is there's several times he walks into conversations oh my where God. everyone stops talking and he's like, Are you talking about me? <laughs> the greatest moment. <laughs> Of a character walking in on a, on someone talking about him ever is Higgins and Rebecca Start Jazz. What's going on? Why are you Jazz Skyin? And of course, Roy, who's so like uh, like knows exactly what's going on, but cannot even observe the social nicety of pretending he didn't notice. Yes, <laughs> He's like, are you talking about me? Yes. Okay. Like, not even bothered by it. Well, and you know what? I had a moment, Jen, where I thought about you and the book that you chose for the box, the Faded Mates end of year mm-hmm. box, the one that was like, what happens after the HEA? You mean after the Billionaire's Wedding Vows by Lucy Monroe? Yes. Because this is what happens, right? Yes. Like, so obviously that's a different situation where, like, the marriage goes really south. But, like, here it's like, this is what happens after the HEA. They're delighted. They have sexy Christmas. It goes a little south. Then there's like all the Roy drama. And now he's just around all the time. And don't you have somewhere to be, man? (laughs) Keely says, Roy is none of those things. He's perfect. And I should know because I spend every minute of every second of every hour of every day with him. Right? Right? Just tell him that you... Hi, babe. You're talking about me? Yes. yes. Definitely. Ready to go? Yeah. Yes. She says, he's perfect. Yes. Because he is perfect. But just people need a little alone time, right? Yes. And the thing that was uh, that I also thought was so brilliant about this, again, from like a, a writer's perspective is, they have this fight, he's furious, he storms out. I mean, she's like, oh my God, is he broken? Is, are we breaking up? Like, that's how serious it is. And the next day he's on the field and he's coaching and he realizes essentially like how much of an ass he's been mm-hmm. when he gives them directions on the field that like make no sense. And it was Jamie who was like, I have to trust my teammate to like use the space that I'm giving. What'd you say? <clears throat> the best thing I can do in that situation is give him space. He's right, actually. Yeah, I know. I learned it from Pep. You got it from Cruyff. Pronounced Cruyff. Oh, okay, Englishman. Look, whatever. The point is that Richard doesn't need me to crowd him. And since he's my teammate, I should trust him to do what's best. Right? And then he goes, fuck! (laughs) Because Jamie, especially because it takes Jamie. Jamie, yes explaining it that for Roy to understand. I mean, I was going to save this for later when we do the dad episode, but we really slept on Phil Dunster last year. Oh, yeah, completely. Because Jay, the actor oh. who plays Jamie is just 
so tremendous. Good. And I yeah. literally now I want to see everything he's ever been in. Yeah, he's amazing. Well, and then he like, you know, puts her in a bath full of rose petals. And has a special playlist full of Sade. Listen. The Roy is sorry for not understanding Keely playlist, which of course you can get on Apple Music. <laughs> and probably um, somebody wonderful has has made it on Spotify too. Yes. So they have sexy bath time. Mm-hmm. And he talks about her gross feet. And it feels like after the HEA. Yes. Again, like there's hair in the drain and they're like her feet are gnarly right. and it's okay. Can I just say, can I just pause on this episode though? There's also a moment, there's an echo of dialogue in this moment that I think is also really relevant to the whole series and to us as readers and people in general. But um, Beard checks Nate in this yes. Um, in this episode, I forget why. Do you remember why? Well, he's really shitty to Colin. Like Colin comes oh, in, yeah, and is kind of like mean to Colin. So mean, right? And Colin, yes. who is like visiting Doctor Sharon, has a new mantra. Yes. Like, is poor Colin? I hope he gets finds the man of his dreams he in season three. Will I hope? Okay. Um, but Beard checks Nate. And it was an echo of something Phoebe said to Bernard on Mm. the cards during the Christmas episode. And it was, do better. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Like, I love that because it's, again, it's that sort of be curious, not not judgmental. It's not like, hey, you suck. It's just like, I think you can do better. Yeah. Like, we can all just, like, if we could all just lead a little bit with do better. And it's not – the goal then is not perfection. It's just right. improvement. Right. Yeah. And it was really – and I I heard it yeah. on the watch. Yeah. All right. Episode eight. This is your haircut. God, I don't know why it was so amazing. It's amazing every time. So Sam – you have to talk about Sam and Rebecca just to set it up. So Sam and Rebecca have unknowingly been flirting each other through the banter app. And they finally agreed to meet. And, no, you know, they don't know that it's each other. And so Sam, like, it's there in the locker room, turns to Isaac and says, like, will you give me a haircut? And the whole room, like, <gasps> freezes because it's like something, you know, has, important has happened. And who's the Dutch guy? Jan is like, what's going on? Why is this a big deal? <laughs> the Dutch guy is one of my favorite characters, too. You know who he reminds me of? He's, like, in the Golden Girls Sophia, the one who yeah. just says anything. <laughs> yeah. Except Sophia has an edge of like she's gonna be mean to you. This yeah. guy just like says it. I'm just saying. Like he has no no way of reading a room. And I love that Sam at one point says, like, oh, he's not mean, he's just Dutch. He's just Dutch. <laughs> With love to our Dutch our Dutch listeners. We love you. And so someone explains to him that like basically you can get one haircut a season from Isaac, and that he is in fact like a master with the clippers, right? <laughs> right? And when he asks for it, the whole room is like, oh, yeah, fall silent. <sighs> oh, it felt a lot like the cultural competence of like, here's the barbershop in the, right? Here's the barbershop in the locker room. And that there's like this way that we see people taking care of each other in the show that happens in lots of different ways. 
And like, I don't know. I I just loved like, and the I mean, he's such an artist with the clippers. It's not. I mean, like the way oh, he approaches you, and, you know. <laughs> And I love that Jamie is the one again who like shuts everyone. Like, yes, he's like, shut up, everyone. Shut up. The magic is happening. Precious. This is a precious event that has only happened a finite number of times and can and only happen a finite number Jamie, of times. Jamie, who was such an asshole last season and didn't care about the team at all, like, it's a moment where we see Jamie in the team. And that's going to be important for later. It's magnificent. And it's Sam also saying, like, I choose, like, I, I'm going to go with my gut. It's the it's where we start to yes. see Sam making choices that are about what Sam journey, thinks right? are important. Yeah. Which, again, is going to come, will become important over the course of the rest of the season. So, and of course, that sort of glorious kinship of all from all of them well it's also really interesting because you see that like the team has their rituals yes and then the coaches and the like the diamond dogs have theirs and they don't necessarily interact all the time but i think it's like this nod to like there's like a magic that's happening um in the team itself yeah and this is like a moment where we really where we really see that and i just think it's amazing it's perfect you watch Fleabag, right? Yes. It also reminded me a lot in Fleabag where, like, they go to get – she goes – her sister goes to get a crazy haircut or maybe she does. And the <laughs> yes. guy is like – the guy is like, a haircut can fix this. <laughs> There's something magical about this haircut. Yeah. And I think it's because it's yeah. given by Isaac. It's, like, given with love. It's well, not to it's fix anything. Well, it's also Isaac's moment as, like, oh, yeah. captain. Like, yes. you go to Isaac for guidance. You go to Isaac. Yes. Isaac to knows be your best what self. you need. Yes. I mean, it's a wrinkle in time, right? Yeah. It's Isaac great. is the leader now. Oh, yeah. I love it. I hope Isaac is, like, a major figure in season three. Me too. Can I just say one other thing? The other thing we saw with Roy in this episode was he picks up Phoebe, who's been in trouble for swearing at school. Oh, this is right? the teacher episode? Yes. No, no. No. Is, there's a couple teacher one episodes. Of them. This it's is one of the them. first teacher episode. Right. Where he says, I'm really worried I've been infecting you with the worst parts of me. And she's like, Uncle Roy, what the fuck are you talking about? Yep. It's really tender. I like, as somebody who spends a lot of time thinking about curse words and their value and the way that we both value them, and the way that we imbue them with certain kinds of value, and the fact that, again, I've talked about this book and this person many, many times on the podcast, but Mona Altawe's, um The yeah. Seven Necessary Sins of Women and Girls has this whole, like, really impassioned argument that the reason why we police curse words is because of patriarchy. Like, yeah. we police girls' language and women's language in a different way than we do men's language, and we police, you know, language in general, like, class-wise. And I don't know. I don't know yeah. if this is something that they were thinking about, but this is one of those moments where when you're doing, like, a podcast about an episode of something, you can just say it. And sure. I'm just saying, like, I really yeah. like that the cursing keeps coming back in interesting ways. Yes. And I like the Phoebe. Like, I like that we see this conversation happening, this push-pull. Yeah. Right. Well, and he doesn't just say, I'm a grown-up. He says, I'm a footballer. Yeah. I'm allowed to talk like that because it's part of yeah. my job. Yeah. You're a kid in school and you're you not. You can't. Yeah. So 
I told you my daughter got Doc Martens yes. uh, for Christmas, and she was putting them on, and she was like, they're so heavy. Yeah. And without really thinking, I said, oh, well, that's why they're called shit kickers. <laughs> and she looked at me, and I was like, okay. And she was like, why? And then I was like, well, because you can kick shit with them. Like, you can really, yeah. like, you can, like, bust things down with them. They're, yeah. they're boots for doing important work. Yeah. And then I was like, and then she walked into the kitchen, and she was like, I got shit kickers. And I was like, okay. So you can say that with us, but please do not say that at school with your friends. Right, <laughs> like, right, yeah. But also I was like, but it's for, you know, they are. They're for, yeah, they they're are. for raging against the machine. Literally. I mean, that's why I got my first pair. <laughs> and I, mean, so, I think it's, yeah. Anyway. So we have to talk, though, about what happens at the end of this episode, right? Oh, my God. This is the dad's episode, right? I mean, it's, yeah. well, it's the first dad's episode because we're then we get Rebecca and her fa- – like, this is, again, Rebecca is, like, a member yeah. of the team. She's having all the same problems everybody else is having. Right. But in her own way. So Jamie's dad, they're playing it in, in Wembley Stadium – <laughs> they get their asses handed to them. It is a humiliation. It's awful. In a way that I was almost like, wow, they don't usually show this kind of thing on TV, right? Like, we're just, it's so painful to watch. And there's also not a whole lot of football, really, in the season. So when it is on screen, to have it be like this, it's terrible. Yes. And um, Jamie's dad, who's real shit, and we know that is there. And this is like a really, and he comes into the locker room, and he is just a maggot i mean i don't know how else, like he's awful he's yeah. and he's awful he's almost a caricature yeah it's so uncomfortable yes i mean talk about taking the finger they didn't yeah they don't pull any punch with this character and i think one of the things that's really fascinating to me is he is he is not a big man physically he is in a room full of these men who are literally in their prime he is a he's he's not very big, he's small, and yet his meanness talk about making yourself big, right? Like it's the corollary of what Rebecca does. Cause he has made himself big in this room. And he is being terrible to Jamie. Just humiliating him, making fun of their performance, saying how terrible they were. It is painful to watch. And Jamie punches him in the face, right? Yep. And Beard drags him out of the room while almost everyone else is just frozen either. And, and there's like one of those things where like I think we've all experienced this. When you see something like unexpected and truly shitty go down, it is so hard to like know what to do in that moment. You just oh, are frozen. No all one of them moves. I no, mean. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's really. Yeah. Oh, and then That's that hug. I mean, this is, again, Phil Dunster. Oh, like, right. we just – he is so great. Yeah, and so he punches his dad out, and then he's just, like, vibrating, right? Like, it's just like the – it's like there's nowhere for that to go. And they're all just sort of staring at him. It's this awful moment. And then all of a sudden, Roy just, like – I don't even know, like, he propels himself across the room, right? And he, and he mm-hmm. hugs him. And you see Jamie just, like, at first he's just, like, being hugged, right? And then he hugs Roy back, and it is, 
there it's like if you were like show me how the patriarchy hurts men in one tv minute this would be it yeah it's amazing yeah and i think i said that we learned about ted's uh father in an earlier episode but we we have there are like hints about Ted's father in the panic attack episode, mm-hmm. um, but this is the episode where he yeah. fully admit he like confesses. I mean, it's not a confession, but right. he like tells Sharon. He calls Doctor right. Sharon and he says that his father killed himself. And, and that, to me, I will also say is like a moment that really like I feel like I can like play it in my head, right? Where he's like, "That happened to me, and it happened to my mom." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a real. It's. It was so emotionally devastating, and I feel like there's also this way in which, like, Roy hugging Jamie, I don't think it, it's not that it couldn't have been anyone else, but, like, I don't know that it would have been anyone else, maybe, is the way to say it. Yeah. No, I I don't think, I think if it had been anyone else, it would have felt, it wouldn't have had the weight of it. Right. Right. Episode 9 doesn't exist. Episode 10 is the funeral. Yeah. Yeah. The manifestation of all this grief and, like, the weirdness around grief. And what's weird is – what's cool is every character has a weird response to this. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. First, Isaac tells them all that they have to wear (laughs) dress shoes. Again, Isaac is leader. Isaac is gonna no trainers, right? And they're all like, "I don't have time to stand in line to get these other shoes." And Jamie's like, "You don't have to stand in line for these shoes. Nobody wants them." So good, so good, Sarah. So um, Rebecca's father dies. Yeah. God, I love this episode. You know me. I love it. I love anything that's about a woman's father dying. Um. Yeah. Well, it's now, like, grief made manifest, right? Like, the thing yeah. that we have been dancing around all season is now, like, right there on, on page, literally. And so there's a lot of discussion. Everybody's sort of coming to terms with how they feel. Like, yeah, right. again, everyone's feeling a feeling. Yeah. Also feeling like they're reliving things. Ted is reliving his father's death, mm-hmm. which we discover in this episode was horrible. Yeah. And then there's a there's the moment where Keely's like, I would so th- okay for the Roy and Keely piece. They're again now we're in the after the HEA right. We're in the part where they really do feel kind of married. Yes, there is a moment where she says that she would like to be buried under an <laughs> apple tree and then have the fruit like the tree bear fruit, and she <laughs> wants people to be nourished from her corpse. And he says... That is fucking mental. Yeah, like, and here's the truth, is that that felt, like, possibly the most like my own marriage as these two have ever been, right? Like, we have an eight-year-old, there is no sexy Christmas here (laughs) in Brooklyn. But, like, I can absolutely imagine saying something like that and Eric looking at me like, that's insane, and yeah. you have now gone off the end, the edge. I'm, I think in my marriage, I'm the Roy Kent. Like, when he was like, you live, you die, you're done. I was like, yep. <laughs> Sounds yeah. – move along. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I just love – and then she's upset because he's not understanding. Like, 
he doesn't understand what she's really talking about here. Like she's she's trying to go through her own she's working through her own stuff and he's being insensitive. Like then he comes back with the apple. Yeah. He's like, I got this from tree outside. Like you know, and it there's a moment of like he's just he's not getting it and he's not being sensitive to her. And so later, yeah, at the like the buffet after the ceremony, Jamie confesses. Oh, Jamie, who's also yes. like dealing with funeral shit. Everybody yes. in this whole episode is going through some funeral shit. Yes. Jamie tells Keely that he loves her. Yeah. I know that you're with Roy and that you're happy. But today's made me realize that I'd hate myself if I didn't say. I didn't just come back to Richmond to get away from my dad. I also came back because of you. I finally think that I'm becoming the best version of myself. The kind of man that you always knew that I could be. And I know that this is a mad shitty thing to do, but I love you, Keela. Sorry. And it's an interesting moment because I really, like, as a watcher, was kind of scared. Like, I was like, wait, is she going to get back with this Yahoo? I thought so, too. Although, now I'm not sure he's a Yahoo. So No, but I, I think for me what that was, though, is, like, the appeal right then of someone who is going to, like, val- validate the feeling she is having as opposed to Roy, who is, like, not – so, um, yeah, I agree, and I think that, but I think it was really interesting because it went from, so Jamie confesses that he loves, that he loves her, and you can sort of, I mean, again, Juno Temple is just magnificent. Her eyes are humongous. So good, yes. And she just, suddenly you're like, she, you can see her just internalizing this confession. And then Roy, like, immediately... Turns up after and is like, I'm sorry, I've been an asshole. And you can see, like, he is also just, again, it's like these two fairly, now that we're seeing, like, everyone's nuanced, everyone has their tough times, everybody has, um, and, like, not, there's no flat character in Ted Lasso. Jamie's proof, right? Like, in season one, he was a delight because he was such a flat character for so long. Not anymore, yeah. One of the reasons that Keely, that Jamie approaching Keely feels like such a betrayal to me, I think to everyone, is that this is immediately after the episode, essentially, where Roy hugs him in the locker room. Yes. Right? And I think probably would feel more like that if the if episode nine didn't exist. Right. Yes. Like, right. Like so, it's easy to sort of forget because there's that. But I, I remember I skipped episode nine, and so I just went straight from the hug to this, and it, yeah. it's you know you're like okay, and I think it's clear like everyone is just dealing with their own shit. But I will tell you, it's so shitty too. Right? You're like God. Why did you do that? Like Roy was just kind to you. So kind to you. Yeah. Do better. Do better, Jamie. Do better. He's still a baby doing better. Yeah. He, I mean, he is. He's another, like, literal baby. Can you talk about this? Wait, 
can you talk about this as a writer? Because you talked about like sort of the three X structure kind of driving this this season. So at what point do you think we're like making the turn into these final episodes? So I always think so I don't think I think one of the big failings, this is now gonna be me talking about the three X structure for a second. So just forward for sure. like a minute if you don't care. Um the my thing about the three act structure is I think that we often look at it and we talk about it as like three equal acts. Right. I don't think of it at all as three equal acts. I think it's act one and then act two are often about the same length. Mm-hmm. And then act three is really the climax. So yes. it feels it – the pacing is different. It's really yeah. just a much tighter, shorter act. Yes, I agree. I actually think – that the end of the funeral where Jamie makes his confession, we see Rupert. Yes. Um, with the baby. With, like, the baby. We see um, Sam breaks – or Rebecca breaks up with Sam. We right? see Rupert yeah. talk to Nate. Suddenly it's yes. like there are lots of things that – like a, a lot of like, like yes. ribbons are being tightened. Everything's getting a little tighter. Um, and so for me, episode, episode 10 is the, is the end of Act 2. And then you have two more episodes, right? So you see um, this is where – and for Roy and Keeley, this is the photo shoot episode, which is really the climax. It's a climactic moment for their relationship. This is the test, right? Yes. And what's interesting is I said – you know, I've been saying this whole recording, like, oh, this is what happens after the HEA. It's actually – if you look at season two, like season two's arc with Roy and Keeley is like – a marriage like this is this is HEA and now here's your low moment of the mm-hmm. of the season of the book. Yes. Um if you look at it as a romance novel, the low moment is this moment where we see that Keely and Roy are possibly going in different directions. Yeah. Um yeah. so Keely's got this photo shoot. She's been asked to be um in is it Vanity Vogue. Fair or Vogue or, Vogue Vogue or something, right? Yeah. So Keely's been asked to be in Vogue. She's on she's on this list of like the most powerful women in powerful <laughs> And um she looks fucking great. I mean, she's yes. just hot. And um they've asked for Roy to be at the photo shoot. Right. For a couple of mm-hmm. uh photographs. They want the hot footballer boyfriend. And this is my favorite moment of this episode is when he says he describes his all black outfit as dark sh- dark heather and charcoal, not all black, which is perfect. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but this is also the episode where Nate kisses Keely. Yeah. Uh, which is a major moment in Nate's. Like this is where this right. is again, like if you're thinking about it as like this is the climactic episode of the season. Uh, this is also, I think, is it the episode where where um, Rebecca confesses to Ted? I think so. Well, and it's also the scene where the one where Roy spends like hours in the classroom with Phoebe's teacher, mm-hmm. and then when she says, "Are you married?" he just says, "No." Yeah, and they have that, and then Roy and Roy and Keely have that great moment on the couch during the photo shoot. So yes. I want to yeah. get there. Wait, uh, but there are other things. Before we do that, can we talk about um, Bye Bye Bye? (laughs) Yes. The, like, full-on dance (laughs) number that Ted is coaching the team through to say goodbye to Dr. Sharon, who is leaving again, a kind of, like, important moment for the whole arc of of the season. Um, 
Yeah, amazing. You have to, it has, you have to look like puppets. That's why it's, you have to look like marionettes. That's why it's called No Strings Attached. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing, honestly. So great. Yeah, so she, Roy doesn't tell the teacher about Keely. You want to talk about that? I mean, you want to talk about that teacher scene? I know that you have a. Oh, yeah. I just think I'm going to tell you right now. It's like real weird, very weird to have Phoebe being drawing pictures of tits. I was just like, what was this? It's just. I just have, you know what? I, there are two things I have excised from my memory when it comes mm-hmm. to this season. And one is the beard episode. Episode and one nine. Is, episode nine and that nine seconds. Like, it's just like weird. And yeah. then Roy's like, oh, checking. It was, ugh. This, this teacher's really interesting to me because yeah. I actually really like her. Of course. And I've liked her for both seasons. Yeah. And like, there is a kind of, again, it's a moment where you think like, Sometimes, like, your life just takes a different path. Yes, Right? Like, absolutely. you could totally see Roy and this teacher working out. In a different time. Right. Well, and that's the thing I think about, you know, when we talk about the HEA, I mean, you know, look, you and I love faded mates. But for, like, you know, real life. It doesn't that's exist. Just, it doesn't exist. It just means you decided. You decided. And one yeah. of the things that I think is really nice about this episode is it's showing both of them deciding and that's scary because i remember at the end of this episode being like if this show breaks my fucking heart and they do not end together i am gonna be so upset because it just would feel like such a betrayal of like the promise back in the Mm rom-com right it's all gonna work out and i think that that but it won't work out the way you thought it might not work out the way you think it will and there's a part that was really interesting when they're sitting on the couch where they're essentially like confessing to each other and at first it feels open but then it feels like weaponized right like at yeah first Nate it's like, kissed me yes and it was really interesting the way we perceive like threats to the health and safety of our relationships versus the ones like we make ourselves right I just think this so this show's so smart well yeah and that scene on the couch comes after 34 minutes into this episode where Keely, Roy walks into the bedroom and Keely is like oh yeah gorgeous like totally put together but she is unhinging like yes. right she is like panicking about maybe she's not good enough maybe she's right. not strong enough maybe she shouldn't have been chosen for this like she's having a real moment of self-doubt yes. which is right. so normal right right and at 34 minutes um Roy says the real you is fucking amazing. You are Keely fucking Jones, independent, independent woman, woman. Right? And I think, and there's this moment where it's like, you can see her just settle. Like, yes. Okay, Roy is here. Roy is my rock. Roy, like, Roy matters. What Roy thinks of me is like, impo- like, what yeah. Roy says to me is important to me. Like, I internalize he's my partner. it. I, yeah, like, I trust him. He's. He's with me. Like, he is with me. And then on the couch, it's... This, to me, is also, like, the inverse, then, of the scene on the couch with them earlier in episode two. Mm -hmm. Where she was the one who was like, you can do this. You've got this. Just go do it. And then, like, the couch figures, right? Like, in, like, them being vulnerable and open. And here they are. It's Now they're vulnerable and open again, but in a painful way, 
Right? Yep. So it's really like that knife cuts both ways. Being vulnerable and open means being vulnerable and open. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why they have to be on the couch at the end. I think we had to – that had to be where that conversation happened. Yeah. Well, interestingly, if you want to play that couch theme all the way through, there's also the moment earlier in the season where where – Jason Sudeikis lies down. Ted, I mean, I say Jason Sudeikis because he lies down on that couch in the therapist's office and he is like, he does like a full on like comedy routine of like, where do I put my things? Like, how do I feel? Like it's, and it's so long that it starts to feel like not like Ted Lasso, but like, you know, you're watching an SNL sketch. But the, um, again, it's that sort of like, this is where you are supposed to be honest. Yeah. And then, Sharon says, well, why don't you just sit? Because you're supposed to be honest everywhere. Yeah. Well, and even back in season one, when Roy was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. And she calls Phoebe over and is like, what do you like about your Uncle Roy? Like they were sitting on a couch. Yeah, yeah, Right? Yeah. Like I really think about this as like a Well, the couch locus in Rebecca's of, office is like yes, where right. they're always having their moments. It's, it's like an important part of our modern lives, the couch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, and then it just becomes, it's really fascinating because it feels like there's this moment where, and it also is so important, right? Because it's Nate. Again, we start to, we see it ties in. The writing is so smart. Everything ties Mm -hmm. into everything else. When Keely says, he kissed, Nate kissed me, Roy's like, Okay, well, that must have been awkward for you, yes. right? Which, of course, is about to become a bow. Like, it's about to seed the yes. animosity with Nate. Even further. Because, again, right? it's like, like the final straw. you're not, like, a real threat. You're not right. a real – you not don't have any Jamie real is. weight. You don't – you're not a heavyweight. Yeah, and that's, like, a – it is, like, that moment is really painful, and you find yourself thinking, like, what's going to happen? And it's interesting to me that, like – they make it through, like, by the next episode, it's, you know, there's not, like, fallout from that moment, really, in at least in Not for that. That's not the moment that is the painful moment right. for them. Yeah. So, episode 12, Roy's pissed at Jamie again. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. Um, he calls the Diamond Dogs to order. He does. <laughs> Well, and listen, I'm sorry, I've been joking about the whole time when he says... Didn't use a single picture with me in it. And it hurt my feeling. And then, but then he says, she looked so great on her own without me. Yeah. And it... It's so good. It's so good. You know what it reminded me of is in Marrying Winterborn... There's this part where this older woman who is essentially like their chaperone says to Reese Winterborn, like essentially like, do you think you deserve Helen? You know, like, are you even like good enough for her? And what he says is he says or, you know, oh, sorry, this woman says, don't you think, um, you know, she's she's marrying down by being with you. Right. And what um, he says is. Every man marries above himself. (laughs) Lady Helen is so far above all men that none of us deserve her. Therefore, it might as well be me. And what I liked about this, like what felt like real romance hero-y to me in this moment, was us seeing Roy, who has been 
I'm the footballer. I'm the one who's amazing in this up, right? Feeling like maybe I don't deserve her. Maybe yeah. she's too good for me. That scene in Keeley's kitchen. Yes. When he comes in and she's so nervous. And I got to say this. A lot of women in relationships with men who have like high-powered careers or like who have like have accolades come to them that are beyond like greatest world's greatest mom, right? right? Have a moment when they are proud of themselves like in their career and they have I can I can ima- I can I can definitely think of times when you sort of think to yourself like is it okay? Like is right. it going to be okay? Is it yeah. going to be okay for me to say this to him? Is he going to feel like I'm, you know, I'm getting this is something. making me less. Yeah. yeah. Does this somehow right. make me too big for, yeah. you know, you, we, you talk all the time about like making yourself, like we try so hard to make ourselves small, right? right. And Rebecca was like, I make myself big before I walk right. into a room with all these right. men. Like, fee, um, Keely tells him that she got this opportunity and like yes. the banter people want to like fund her PR firm. And he is so proud of her. I know. And he says, like, holy, holy fucking, fucking shit. shit. That is you. What? <laughs> you are a fucking CEO and shit. That's amazing. I know. Love you so much. Look at you. The boss. <laughs> I'm going to have time for me anymore. And it's like a little yeah, bit of a joke, but like there's a kernel of truth in it, but he's yeah. still so proud of her. And he's like, let's open the champagne we've been saving. And she says it was going to be for a special occasion. And he was like, this is it, right? Yeah. And she gets the pictures. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my God, you're not in them. I'm going to call them. I'm going to fix tell this. them. And right. he's like, don't you change a fucking thing. Yeah. You look powerful and fucking gorgeous. Yeah. And it is so great because he is like – he is like she is so far above me yeah. that no one will ever deserve her. But, like, I get to be here with her. Yeah. It's like it's a little of both. It's bittersweet, right? He's not here, there, everywhere. Roy Kent, Roy Kent, right? But he can like be present as Keely becomes Keely Jones. Yep. Yeah, it's an amazing. It's amazing. Ugh, it's so beautiful. It is like a model for how all men yeah. should be in marriages. <laughs> like it's so good. And then I think, you know, the thing is at the end, like he says, like we're gonna go away for six weeks, and it. It's like this really hard moment where you realize, like, it's for him. You know, I'm going to go and eat tapas and not worry about my knee. And and it's also for her, but it's it's what he wants. And it's it's I think he's wonderful. But I think she's like, I can't do it. I can't go away. Right. And then he says, are we breaking are we breaking up? Because he can't. Yeah. Figure it out. Like, right. this is, it's complicated, right? Like, yes. This is a relationship between two people who are deeply skilled in their own lives and their own careers, who are independent people. Right. And trying to figure out how yeah. to be with each yeah. other. And she says, no, of course not. Of course not. And then there's like, and I'll see you in six weeks, and then, and then we'll be fine. Yeah. And like, 
I got to say. see them again. It's really interesting, even though we see three weeks later and two months later, we just are left to assume that they are I fine. know, and I am concerned. Are you? I'm concerned. I'm concerned because television has not necessarily yes. um, right. proven itself trustworthy in sure. this particular arena. Yeah. Yeah. No, of course I'm concerned, too. I'm concerned. So I'm looking forward to season three. From that perspective, I would like to shout out another very favorite line from the whole episode, um, which is that at the beginning of this episode, he shouts, Whistle! Oi! I said whistle! On the screen, on the thing. And the reason why is because whistles give him, wait, mouth sores. He says earlier in the... Whistles, I'm sorry. Earlier in the in episode seven, he says whistles give him mouth hives because everybody's like, why don't you use a whistle? And he's like, whistles give me mouth hives. So he shouts whistle, whistle, which I think is great. And then also at 27 minutes, he says, wait, so sometimes the fucking diamond dogs is just chatting about shit and no one has to fucking solve anything and nothing fucking changes. Sometimes, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> You know what else I loved about this episode is, um, or maybe it's like actually the the end of the episode, the previous one. There's a point where like you just see his jaw twitching, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was like, "That's some real romance hero That's shit right there, right? Literally." Um, and then the the headbutt, and then the hug. Oh, between yeah. him and Jamie, which is so broy and like, yes. dude. I mean, they've really wrote. I mean the. They walked the tightrope of like oh, yeah. make these characters like super like dude characters, but give them like humanity and let them be nuanced. Let them be let them have yeah. feeling. Yeah, it's amazing. It really is. And so our Richmond Greyhounds um have been promoted. They have. I actually literally, I literally forgot. I was like, wait, did they win? And then at the very. That's not important that was to me. Very end, Ted Lasso makes us another promise, which is we're just going to have to come back and win the whole fucking thing. Sure. And that is the plan for next season, hopefully. (sighs) What a show. And then we find out that Rupert is still an asshole and Nate is now gray-haired over there. Right, running some sort of crazy tight ship of practice. Yeah, please remember Nate has still been a coach for like three seconds. So hopefully that all – hopefully he is hoisted on his own see a lot of hints that he does not trust himself. He has – he actually does have everything it takes to be a great coach, but he doesn't trust himself. Because he's young. Because he's green. And I don't think he trusts the players, right? I mean, that's, like, really clear in the last episode. He's like, they're going to fuck it up. You know they will. And then you're going to blame it on me. And that's why you're calling it my play. And that part's really hard. That's Mm going to be hard, I think, to watch. Yes. I don't know. 800 hours later. There we did. We did it. All in all, here's where I'm at. I loved this season. I loved that it was very much what happened. What happens like 
after the HEA. I love that they had to work through some things. I love that Roy had to grow. I love that Keely was still able to grow, like, in a relationship with him in a way that she wasn't. She was stunted by the relationship with Jamie. But, like, Roy gives her this, like, opportunity to be the better, the best version of herself. And him, too, same. And, like, they're just a perfect couple. And please, please don't fuck it up, you guys. seriously. Let them be good for each other. Let them be a model for, like, how we should all be with each other in relationships. Um, I have a question for you, which is um, right at the very the very first episode where we see them talking about yes. banter. I don't know if it was episode one or when it was, but, like, that episode. There is a f- quick moment where we are led to believe that Rebecca and Ted are texting. Oh, yeah, right. Banter. So my question is, who is Ted texting? And I don't know. If you have theories out there, I'm wel- I welcome them. You know what else? You know what else I I will say I like about this show is like how, I mean I like in general want like I'm a romance reader. I want people to find romance, but I love the friendships in this. I love the friendships in this show. I love Keely and I Rebecca. I love Rebecca I and Leslie. I love Ted and Beard. I love all of these friendships that are so like genuine. The, the diamond, diamond dogs. dogs. I just think that there's, it's just so beautiful. Hmm. Can we just talk about just Keely and Rebecca for one <laughs> second? Episode 10, that's the funeral episode. Rupert shows up with new oh, Rebecca yeah. and... Uh, their baby. And at 13 minutes, 20 seconds, Keely says, I hate that baby. I hate that baby. <laughs> and it's yes. magnificent. And Rebecca is standing there in her full black morning outfit. And then she just says, I yeah. love you. And like, it's yeah. so it really perfect. Is. And yeah. I just, I love it. And like, you should all have friends like you and, and sassy. <laughs> and sassy. Who gives it to Rupert? <laughs> I will wear red to your funeral. <laughs> like, I, know. I can't. She's great. Bitch. It's amazing. Yeah. She's it's great. great. Listen, that Sassy and Keely are perfect, like make new friends and keep the yes, old. Exactly. Right? One is silver and the other is gold. It's very, they are perfect. If I it's great. If I could just claim one sassy and we one Keely so lucky. Exactly. in my life. That's right. Listen, I love this show. I love it more every, every season. Every time I watch, it's so rewarding. Except for that one episode. Oh, happy New Year, everybody. It's 2022. I know. We hope that you love it. We Tell us your theories about Ted Lasso. Tell me if I'm right that I think it's going to be Ted and Rebecca in the end. I Actually, oh, yeah, here's the thing. I don't know if it's your theory, right? I was... Listen, well, I don't have to end with my theory, but, like, I really thought that funeral episode, one of the reasons why I love that episode so much is because of the way that they interconnect. Rebecca coming home to discover her father having an affair and Ted coming home to discover um, that his father has killed himself and how, like, how these two fathers' actions have shaped them both in different in different ways. Obviously, one is much worse than the other, but, like, Rebecca's, like, so many of Rebecca's, like, insecurities and, you know, self-consciousness and the choices that she made as a person and as a, as a woman and as a wife and now, like, as a daughter. Like, all the things that have made her who she is, like, happen yes, in that moment, right. that one moment. And, and same with Ted, right? All of the – everything spills out from that moment. 
Ted knows that Nate is the one who, you know, sold him out to Trent Krim and he doesn't, he's like, look, we've got a job to do, right? This is now not the time for my personal shit. We're go out there and coach that game and win that game. And that is, I think the other part that's again, like that, so that differential between like, I can, you know, be a professional, but this is not the time for my personal shit. And like when he has this panic attack, he like, it's a panic attack. He can't control it. But I I'm fascinated too, by the way that, that that all played out. I mean, the show's so brilliant. There's so much, so much. Well, maybe it is good that we're ending with this because I do also think like part of this is about faded mates, right? Like it feels like in that moment, in that back and forth, I wrote it down. Like it's Rebecca and Ted were faded, not necessarily as lovers, but like they're faded to be together. Yeah. Like they're, there are two halves of their, their story is the same, you know, like, all of these characters, many like many of these characters feel fated for each other in some way. Yeah. Once they can yeah, be open and vulnerable. <sighs> Happy New Year, Jen. Happy New Year, Sarah. I hope it's better. It's gonna be better. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> Don't tell everyone what you said to me <laughs> this week. <laughs> Staying Sorry. quiet. Um no, it is. It's going to be right. better this year. All right. It's going to be great. We'll be back with Trailblazers. Uh, our next read-along is Passion by Lisa Valdez. Woo! Yeah. I mean, start as you mean to go on is what I'm and saying about that. For 2022. Content warnings, maybe? Probably. probably. Let's be probably. honest. Probably. Uh, check Goodreads if that's a concern. Definitely if you have cervix issues, you know, heads up on that. And, and uh... All right. You can find us at FadedMates.net or on Twitter at FadedMates or on Instagram at FadedMatesPod. We are produced by Eric Mortensen. Um, and this year we've got some really fun stuff planned. Um, and yeah, uh, we hope you're reading a fabulous romance novel to start the new year right. Right.